0: I'm so excited about today, only one verse, I've never preached it before, and I'm just excited about it. We're in the middle of a sermon series called, How to Get Other People to Change. I love, I just, I'm having so much fun with this. The tongue is in the cheek on this sermon series, right? Because we all know, getting other people to change is a tall order, but it's part of life, isn't it? Everybody in this room has somebody that's on some level driving them crazy. You wish they would change. You wish they would grow. A co-worker, probably a family member. Resist the urge to elbow somebody, you know, um, because a lot of times it's people that are close to us. We wish we could change them, right? And I want to remind you, their homework assignment for this series, if you're a follower of Jesus, like if you're here today and you're a Christian, I want to urge you to read Matthew Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. This is the Sermon on the Mount, and this series is largely based on some verses in Matthew 7, but it presupposes that you are working through being a follower of Jesus. Does this make sense what I'm saying? Like, Jesus doesn't just drop this verse into nowhere. It comes on the heels of a lot of rich teaching. Does this make sense? So, this message is really for Christians today. I think it will be helpful for anybody here, whether you believe in Jesus or not. But Jesus is giving this verse to people who are living a beatitude kind of life. They're they're incorporating the values of mercy and purity of heart and peacemaking. These are people who are not trying to be self-righteous hypocrites. He's already gotten on us about that. These are people who are working on our anger. You know, he's given us rich teaching on how we've got to be people who forgive. We're we're working, it's not to say that we're not angry anymore, but at least we're becoming aware of our anger and trying to let it go. We're working on our lust. We're working on not being people who just have to have more and more and more of everything we see. We're working on our marriages if you're married. You know, he's given us teaching on marriage. In the Sermon on the Mount, He's given us teaching on honesty of speech, of meaning what we say, and not letting our words get ahead of us. That's a big one for me as a preacher. I mean, you know, too many words are troublesome, right? So we're working on our words. We're working on being the kind of people who live in one day at a time. Like, we're not living stressed out existences. We're learning to take each day as it comes. We're learning to be people of prayer and fasting and giving generously without thought of a reward, without needing this big old pat on the back. All of this is in the teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, and we're presupposing that we're taking Jesus seriously as our Lord and teacher. Are you with me? I'm going to start doing some Matt Chandler hand moves. To I'll have a few. Yeah, yeah I'm... I, so what I got it, I, I, the phones are every I see phones everywhere. So I know I've already lost some of you. I can actually see your screen coming back at me. Some of you, like it's so sad. So it's fine. You, it's no, it's, not not you. It's others. <laughs> so it's okay if that's what you need to do. Some of you are like I'm just reading Matthew on my phone right now, Tom. That's what I'm doing. All right. So, but this is the thing. This is why this is important. Oh, thank you. Yes. Um. <laughs> This is why this is important, because then if you start to live this kind of life, I won't repeat all of that, but if you start to live this kind of life, you actually will become a good person who has something to offer somebody else. And once that happens, we run the risk of becoming judgmental, and then this verse, we run the risk of trying to help people, but actually not helping. Like, what do you do when you actually do have something to offer, but they don't want it, or they don't need it, or they don't think they need it? So let's stand in body and in spirit for this one verse from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Hear God's Word. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. <coughs> Anybody ever heard that phrase? It's in our culture. It's a sort of in our cultural lexicon. Don't throw your pearls before swine or don't cast your pearls before swine. Y'all heard that? That is, and you know who said it? Jesus, that Jesus is the one who invented the phrase, hey, let's not cast our pearls before swine. Let's not give dogs what is sacred. And honestly, this verse gets interpreted a lot of different ways. And I'm not going to go through all of that. You can Google it and have fun. I think the obvious meaning of this, this is a parable. It's not saying that some people are dogs. It's not saying that some people are less than. That's not the meaning of this at all. The meaning of this is, this is a parable, a, a really short one-verse one parable that says it is not good to give something of value to someone who is not able to receive it or appreciate it or use it. I heard after the first service when I preached this, uh, somebody came up to me who was in the military and said, yeah, I had a, a guy over me, a general, and I was talking to him, and he says, I kind of feel like I'm a pig looking at a Rolex right now. I know what you're saying is important, but I don't understand what you're saying. You know, and, and do you see what I'm saying? Like, pit pearls are wonderful. Pigs are wonderful too. But pearls, pig doesn't have anything, doesn't have anything to do with, the, it's a waste. We don't give, We we want to feed our dogs well. Some of you are into like, Gluten-free dog food, I mean, I mean, there's all levels of healthy dog food out there now. You can spend a lot of money on it. I'm pretty sure you're not going to be giving them filet, right? I'm quite sure you're going to put that in the fridge for a sandwich for tomorrow if you got leftover steak, right? If not, I hope I come back as your dog, because that sounds great. <laughs> Just kidding, I don't believe in reincarnation. All right, so, <laughs> all right, all right. Somebody will get mad later. All right, so... Um, <laughs> I'm sort of not kidding. All right, so uh, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? The phrase lipstick on a pig, you know, like we don't put lipstick on a pig. We don't put pearls on a pig uh, because, and, and so what this looks like for us is you may actually have pearls. You probably do. I'm looking in this room. A lot of you are really good people. A lot of you have Wisdom. Regardless of your age, even if you're a child, even if you're in elementary school or middle school, it doesn't matter, or high school, you some of you still have something to offer your idiot friends. Right? Right? Like, you have people that you go, golly, I wish you would get this. But, just because you have something to offer does not mean they want to hear it, and does not mean they're able to hear it, able to process it, able to receive it. And navigating this is important territory i got to say this again. This is a middle, this is the third part of a five-part series. And we can't say it all in one week. So if you missed a few, I hope you'll go online and and get the first cogs in this because it's important. What we've talked about so far is that as Christians, we're supposed to lay down our lives for others. See, I'm really worried that somebody's going to only hear this sermon, walk out of here and go, I'm not casting my pearls to swine. And that will turn you into a terrible Christian. Because Jesus has called you to give your life away. Jesus said, I have called you. I'm laying down my life for you. Love one another as I have loved you. If you're a Christian here today, your calling is to give your life away in service to everyone. If you want to know what my theology is, this is my theology. God takes care of me. That's God's job. It's my job to take care of everybody else. That's it. It's, I, and I'm not supposed to... No categories. I don't care who you are. I'm not supposed to make distinctions between who I love and who I don't love. He, Jesus said a parable about that and he ended up saying, who are you supposed to love? The Samaritan. I'm supposed to love everybody. I'm supposed to give myself away. But... That was the value that starts the Christian movement. Jesus laid down his life for us and then he says, now you, you wash each other's feet. You take care of the poor. You take care of one another. And in the Christian movement, what do you see happen? They start selling houses and lands and they start like collecting resources because they're like, we're going to be this place where if anybody in town can't pay their bills, they come here. You having trouble paying your light bill? You come here. We'll help you out. We've got a place at the table for you. But as with any human group, guess what happens? sin. And so there's people that abuse it. So in the New Testament, in the New Testament itself, you see where the the, the Christian church starts to make distinctions. Like, for instance, one of the values was we need to take care of widows in our community because women had very few opportunities. It was a much different culture. And if you were a widow, you were hard up in a bad way. Still, that's true in a lot of ways sometimes. But right. And so the, the church was like they had a widow list. You get on the widow list and we're going to provide for you and we're going to to make sure we're going to take an offering every week and make sure that widows are taken care of. But guess what happens? Some of the younger women who should be taking care of their elderly moms are, are, are taking advantage of this. So you see in the New Testament where the value is we're going to take care of everybody but then they say but if somebody has grown children that should be taking care of them they're not allowed to take from the church for their livelihood. They had this deal that if you're hungry, you come eat. We got food, everybody can eat. But then we got people going, well, I heard Jesus is coming back anytime. time. I don't need to go to work. I'm just going to keep coming here and eating with you guys. And so Paul says later to one of the churches, hey, I've heard there's some people who are taking advantage. If somebody doesn't want to work, you know what it is, right? Don't let them eat. If somebody doesn't want to work, neither shall they eat. That's in the Bible. So do you see what we're doing here? It's this all-encompassing, giving ourselves away, but then we have to, because of human sinfulness, because of greed, because of laziness, because of poor behavior, because of sin, we have to draw some limits. And I think part of that is what this verse is about today. And where I have learned this, I've heard this phrase all my life, but where I have seen it practiced quite honestly, way better than anywhere else in our culture is in Alcoholics Anonymous. AA understands really well a group of people who have taken advantage, and so they have learned how to thread the needle of how do we help somebody without enabling them. And you come to AA with a drinking problem, and we will do, we will do anything to help you. We will go to hell and back to help someone who is suffering. But we won't help somebody who won't do their part. Do you see what I'm saying? We won't. Why? Because we have learned, and I didn't know this. Again, I had to be taught this. We have learned that there are some instances where if I keep helping you, number one, it means I can't help somebody else. If I keep trying to help you and you're not getting better, it's depriving, that's me giving probably time, energy, thought, emotion, heart, sweat, resources, money maybe, to a situation. And if this situation isn't better, I'm throwing my pearls before swine. Again, please understand, that's a metaphor. I'm not saying this person is a pig or a dog. That's totally misreading this. Are we on the same page with that? You are valuable, but this would be like me casting pearls before swine. And I'm depriving, I'm depriving somebody else who might be ready, who might need the exact same help, but they'll grow. They'll grow like gangbusters if we stop wasting the energy here and do it here. The other thing is they'll turn and maul you. Anybody got that t-shirt? Anybody been there, done that? You help somebody and you end up scarred. And you can get cynical, all right? I mean, it's, I, I, I think in, I see in a room this size, there's probably a lot of us that have learned that Jesus is, this is not overstating. Sometimes when you're trying to help somebody who's not ready to receive it, you will end up hurt. You will end up like, with, I'm not, not metaphorically, like you will end up in pain as well, or other people. So um, the place where I've seen this, like I said, so well is in the 12-step community, and we have a lot uh, to learn from them. Um, I remember one time I had this youth in a church I served as a youth director. I may have shared this before, um, but this is, you know, I was doing okay. Like, um, I, let me say this. I, I, I don't know whether I should tell this story or not, but bef- before the youth story, When I was um, in my mess, I was an active alcoholic, and my parents came and found me in my mess. And I knew I needed help, and the truth was I was ready for help. So it was very much God's timing. But my parents didn't know what to do. And I had a friend who I knew was in AA, and I wasn't really in AA. I had been to a few meetings, but I I wasn't really in it. But I knew he was. And I called him up, and he left a voicemail. he called me right back. And I was so glad. And I said, I was wondering if you can help me. And he said, Tom, we love it when people wave the white flag. We're always here to help. And he said, Let me, meet me at this hotel in the lobby. So my parents and I, and I'm like, sh- just the shame is just hanging off of me. You know, I'm just, I, I feel like my life is ruined. And my parents who are just distraught, and they've got this grown child who won't get right. And we meet in the hotel lobby, and my friend and another mutual friend walks in. And I knew he was an alcoholic, but I didn't know she was. And I was like, you're kidding me. And they come in because one of the things we do is we always go two by two. We don't try to do this thing alone. So they come in, and they talk to me and my parents. And they help me a ton, but they really help my parents. And they looked at my mom and dad, and they said, you know, Dr. Cruz, it's really great. If you have the ability to help your son go to treatment, that'd probably be good one time. Don't ever pay for him to go again. And don't ever give him one dollar after he gets out. He's got a body. He's got a mind that works. He's able to work. Don't you pay his rent. Don't you pay his light bill. Do not help him one more. And I knew they meant business. And my parents, to their credit, listened. And today, now I'm thankful that we've grown and they will give us some money sometimes for something good. You know what I'm saying? It's a different basis now. But they're not. But this is the thing. I, I'll tell you this. I started to get better. I think in no small part, because my parents decided to help me a little, and that's it. And I knew that. And I was scared. And fast forward a few years, and I'm in recovery, and I'm working in this church, and I'm doing youth ministry. And now I'm wanting to help everybody. Everybody. Right? I'm just helping, 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 helping. And I'm this person that I've had issues and I'll help you with your issues, right? And I'm, I'm here to help. And there was this person in the youth group that had some struggles, some real struggles. And I was trying so hard to help them. So, so hard. And, and they just continued to kind of spiral and spiral and spiral. And I'm working with the family and I'm trying to get them counseling. And I'm, trying to do, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. They're calling me all the time, you know, venting their emotions. And I'm trying to be this savior. Well, God, it was time for me to move, and God sort of led me to move to another church, and I got a different job, and I left, but we sort of stayed in touch. A couple months later, we talked, and I said, how are you doing? And they said, you won't believe this. I'm doing really good. I'm way better. And I'm like, that's awesome. What happened? They said, well, I hate to say this, but you moved. (laughs) And I was like, what? And they were like, When you moved, I was devastated because you mean so much to me and you do mean so much to me and you've helped me so much. But when you moved, I was like, what am I going to do? And then something I just said to myself, I got to start taking care of myself. Hashtag facepalm. I know this stuff. I know not to overfunction for people, I know not to enable. I'm in recovery. But here I am doing it, and I'm not even aware of it. And guess what? When suddenly I was removed from the picture, they got better. You know what that means? I was helping them stay in their mess. I didn't mean to. I don't ever want to do that. But this, this is this, And this is not really casting pearls before swine, but what I'm trying to say is there are some of you here today that you need permission to say no. You need permission. And I'm here, not just me, Jesus is here to give you permission to sometimes say no and walk away. Because you don't have to be the answer. Because sometimes you're casting your pearls before swine. And this is easy, easy to say, but I get that this is a lot harder when it involves kids. And I know some of you are like, yeah, that's easy, But what if the person in my life that I really need to see change, the reality is they have children and I know their children are hurting. So I get I get that what I'm saying is really hard and there's something in me and there's something in you that sometimes there's situations in our life where we need to see them get better for a whole lot of reasons. And what do you do when your help is probably not going to work? And that's where I want to land it with, with, with these ideas here. These have been so helpful in my ministry. Okay? Um, a counselor said to me when we were in a training to become pastors, You ever heard the phrase, don't just stand there, do something? That's what we feel sometimes when there's a mess. Hey, don't, we got to do something. This marriage is falling apart. I'll get a call sometimes. Uh, you know, in fact, a lot of the calls I get are people in crisis. That's part of my job. And I, please continue to call if you need help. I want to help. But sometimes somebody will call, and it's like, you got to help us. Our marriage is falling apart. I think we're going to get divorced. And there's something to me sometimes that wants to rush over there real quick. Oh, we got to get together right now in the pastor's office. we got to work this out. But you know what I've learned? If they're calling the pastor about their marriage, guess what? It ain't new. It's pro- right. It feels like urgent to me, but it's not. And so the this phrase that I have learned: don't just do something, stand there. Ah, <sighs> oh, somebody needs to hear that today. You've got people in your life that you want to change, and this is: don't cast your pearls before swine. We think we know what they need. You might not. You might not. And so just the wisdom of saying, don't just do something, stand there. Just wait. The other thing that I I say, and I've said to some of you guys, when there's like, we got a situation, I don't know what to do. Say this. This is not an emergency. I have a friend that says that to me on a regular basis. I'll have some stressful situation going on at the church. I don't know what to do. Call up a buddy. Hey, let me run this past you. And he'll say to me, Tom... This is not an emergency. And I'll think, yes, it is. (laughs) This is an emergency. We got to figure this out. And he'll go, it's not an emergency. This does not have to be solved today. Some all right, some things are emergencies, right? But most things are not actual emergencies. And when we come, when we rush in, that's a lot of times where we're going to be casting pearls before swine. Gotta land the plane. Don't you love it when the preacher lands the plane? Don't you hate it when they come in for an approach and then they take off again? Oh, it's just, oh no, he's making another point. This is, I'm landing the plane, all right? I know this probably, There's probably all of us have somebody in our life that we wish would change, all right? So what I want to invite you to do, somebody did this for me, it's been life-changing for me. I want to invite you to close your eyes. And I want you to picture that person in your life that is frustrating you or that you love, but they're making stupid choices or that you hate, that is hurting. I mean, you know, but picture that person in your imagination. We're just asking God to, right now, to just bless with His Spirit our imagination. Picture that person that you wish you could change. Picture them in their mess. And do you see them? Now, I want you to kind of Look behind them, and you're going to see somebody else. You might have to look up. You might only be able to see his big toe. You might have to look way, way up. And you know who's behind them? God. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think that God knows about their situation? Do you think that God is able to take care of them? With, maybe without your help. Here's a great question. Do you think God is able to help them and factor in your craziness (laughs) and the influence that you might have? Yes? All right, you can open your eyes. Was that helpful for you? For me, this has been profoundly helpful because it's a way of reminding me I'm not God. And so sometimes there's people in my life, and yes, I might play a role, and we're going to look at this in the next two weeks, is what do you do? but we've got to stop rushing in. We've got to stop casting our pearls before pigs because we end up hurting, we end up hurting them and we end up hurting ourselves or others. We're going to sing a closing hymn that is it's a resurrection song and we need the God of resurrection in these situations. And we're going to sing all three verses. The, the second verse I really wanted to sing because it says, um, in all the world around me, I see His loving care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. And I just want us to sing that together as a way of saying, maybe my heart's weary for some of the situations in my life, but I'm, I'm going to trust that God is bigger. So I want to invite you to stand in body and spirit, and let's sing together.